How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Time now for the nightcap. Who are you talking to right now? Do you know how much I make a year? I mean, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Do you know what would happen if I suddenly decided to stop going into work? A business big enough that it could be listed on the NASDAQ goes belly up. Disappears. It ceases to exist without me. No, you clearly don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No, I am the one who knocks. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome into the nightcap. What's up, everybody? I'm Jody Biasi, per usual. 7 to 9 weekdays where there isn't a Sabre game here on WGR. Got Kyle Powell behind the board tonight. And I made it into work. I did not yesterday. I tried. There was, oh, you, you know, typical Buffalo drive in today. I live out in Orchard Park. And it literally went from zero visibility, like yesterday, where I just couldn't go anywhere. Today, almost zero visibility to blue skies and sunny within five seconds of driving, just as you pass the stadium today. And then it's like, you know, blue skies for a while, and then I get out here, and there it is. Almost blizzard-like conditions again. Seems to have, seem to have uh, calmed down a bit out there tonight. So uh, hopefully you're staying safe and you're staying warm because it's freezing. It's freezing in the studio right now that I'm sitting in. I got cold air blasting ahead of, above me for some reason, but I'm prepared. I'm I'm not a big fan of the uh, the winter hat indoors move. I try to avoid it at all costs. Gets your hair all messed up. Generally, it's not cold enough inside to warrant wearing it anyway, but I'm doing it now. I got the winter hat on inside, and that's, like I said, not a move that I like to go to, but kind of a necessity a little bit right now. Um, So we got the Sabres on the docket from last night. We've got the playoff race. We've got games going on right now, and I got a Bills question, Bills slash Patriots question to ask everybody. I've already asked it on Twitter, so some of you have already gotten in on that. And quick update of the standings if you haven't been keeping up. Uh, Last night, you know, kind of a blown opportunity for the Sabres. They could have pulled within one point of a playoff spot, which is the Blue Jackets right now, and they're kind of reeling. They got injuries. We'll play the the audio of Tortorella a little bit later on tonight because it's funny. Tortorella. (laughs) Just being, he's super upset. He's got one centerman tonight. And uh, he he's typical torts right now. And they're kind of in a, I don't want to say in a free fall, but they've lost three in a row. And that was a big win for Buffalo uh, on Tuesday beating Columbus. Like, that's a bigger win than I think a lot will kind of think about right now. Because they did just lose to Dallas, but good thing that they won that four-point game against the Blue Jackets. Keeping them within three points right now, even though CBJ does have, uh, you know, a game in hand. 
One more matchup between those two teams. But yep, last night, blown opportunity. Could have got within one point of Columbus. Could have got within two points of Boston and Pittsburgh and Washington. Could have got within three points of Montreal while still having a game in hand. You could have got four points within Toronto. Even though they've been one of the worst teams in the NHL since that 10-game win streak. They still could have been only four points behind Toronto with a win last night. But one nothing shutout. And uh, now they get that seven-game homestand, and they're going to have to win some games. We'll talk some Sabres later. Uh, I do want to ask a Bills question because it is Super Bowl week. Radio Row, the big game, all that. And got me thinking about Tom Brady, who once again this week has brought up the fact that he plans on playing until age 45. Every time I hear that, I don't really discount it. I hate it, but I don't really discount it. This was the year, like midway through, where you're like, okay, he seems a little off the mark. Let's hope this is Peyton Manning when in 2014, 2013, the second last year of his career, where he starts to dwindle a little bit, and it's like, all right, maybe we could see some, we could see an end here. The light at the end of the tunnel is here, and then Peyton Manning showed up the next year, and it was all over. We're one of the worst quarterbacks in the league that year. They still won the Super Bowl, but it was because that defense was historically good. Peyton Manning, I think, led the league in interceptions that year. Terrible year for him. Almost lost his starting job to Brock Osweiler, who we found out to this point, not good. Not good at all. How realistic is it that he makes it to 45? Because, honestly, late in the season, I would have told you, probably not. Seems like it's trending down. And if that's already happening at 41, well, it's hard for me to see him making it four more years. It's a lot. Think about this. Let's look into the future right now. 2022. It's the way I phrase the question. 2022. Bills-Patriots. That first matchup. Who is less likely to be playing in that game? Josh Allen or Tom Brady? This is 2022. Brady will be 45. Seems like it's off in the distance. 2022, just hearing that year, sounds like the future. It is the future. But like it seems like the distant future. It's only a couple years away. And you know at some point it's going to stop, right? With Brady, he's not going to go to 50. I mean, maybe. Could he be eight years from now when we're still sitting here? Like, it's got to end at some point. Because we have been saying that for a few years now, but like this is generally about the time when the when the big drop comes, when the cliff comes, and I just you gotta hope and pray that it's coming at some point. But maybe, like I said, he makes it to forty-five. And Josh Allen had a great year, a very good year for his first season, especially with what some expectations were by a lot of people, for some realistic expectations for Allen. He definitely exceeded them. Was he Baker Mayfield? No. Did he entrench himself as this team's franchise quarterback? No. But he definitely took the first step that you want to see into becoming this team's franchise quarterback after one year, especially with what was presented around him, offensive line, wide receivers, aged running backs that weren't helping him out that much. He did a good job. 2022. That's three years off in the future. Three Bill seasons in between. 
three Patriots seasons in between. Which quarterback, Brady or Allen, is less likely to be playing in a Bills-Patriots matchup in that year? Because, oh, I'm not surprised by this, but overwhelming on my Twitter poll, Sneaky Joe WGR so far, it's going towards Brady. 64% of you say Brady is less likely, 36% say Allen. My vote's really for Allen. As hard as that is for me to say. It is. Because at this point, I don't know. If Brady's proving right now that even though his arm strength has gone, uh, it's gone down a little bit, he's still just about as efficient as he's ever been. I think the way he plays the game, this is going to be hard for a lot of people to hear, it's hard for me to even say, but I really do think his style of playing the position is going to last. And the way he treats his body makes me think that 45 is absolutely realistic for Tom Brady and the Patriots. Think about the way he plays the position. It's knowing where you're going with the ball before the snap. It's quick passes. Getting the ball out before the pass rusher even has a chance of getting to you. This uh, Skinekia, whoever his name is, the offensive line coach, for the Patriots, who has been getting some limelight this week. Like, I had never heard his name before this week, but he's getting some limelight. People are, you're starting to hear his name. You're starting to hear about how the Patriots' offensive line is built. Like, oh, that's how you should do it. Mid-round picks, not spending a lot of money. I think they're 28th in the league in money spent on their offensive line. It's mid-round picks, and a guy, Trent Brown, their left tackle. One of the most important positions on a football team. It's just a guy that, eh, he was playing in San Francisco, wasn't all that good, and he comes to New England, and eh, it's working. You want to know why it's working? It's because Brady gets rid of the ball so quickly. That's why. Really, you could plug in almost anybody in there, and you can talk about how their offensive line's not that good. But as long as 12 is back there passing the football, they can absolutely get away with it, and I think they're showing that right now. So I don't know how much credit you want to give this offensive line coach when the ball's coming out in two seconds. And to me, that's something that Brady can continue to do even if his body starts to fail him. If, he's no, if he knows where the ball's going and he can get it out quick, that means he's going to take less punishment. That means he's going to take less hits. That means that there's going to be less pressure around him. Just everything works better and everything lasts longer when he's playing that way. The other way he's playing is... Like, quick dump-offs to the running back. But in the perfect perfect timing. It seems like every time he throws to James White, he's got five, six yards of separation. And not like James White creating separation. It's five, six yards of separation where you dump, you throw it in the flat to James White, and maybe there's a linebacker six yards away, and like that's it. He plays the game with so much intelligence. And that really makes me think that that's also something like that shouldn't go away. Peyton Manning had that too, I know. But really, his, his, you know, losing it all, the arm strength, like that was so quick and it was so severe with his physical ability. And to me, like if that is the test for Brady... If that's what has to happen 
for him to basically ret- to know he's got to retire is to have that last season that Peyton Manning had. I to me, looking at the way he plays right now and looking at where he is physically, I don't really think he's that close to that. Manning was coming off a shoulder injury. Manning looked out of shape. He was wearing I mean, he was wearing two gloves all the time in the clo- in the cold. Just he looked like an old guy out there. And I don't see that right now with Brady. So like what's the worst case scenario? Cuz my question regarding who isn't playing in that Bills Patriots 2022 matchup when Brady's 45. Worst case scenarios, starting with Brady. His level of play would have to drop drastically by 2020. Because you know that even if that happens by 2020, or whenever it happens, because he's Tom Brady, if he wants, he will get one more year than he should play. The Patriots will give him one more year than he should probably get. At least. Because of who he is, because he's won all those Super Bowls, because he's been to a lot more. And because he's and he is arguably the best quarterback in NFL history, he gets an extra year. So if that bad year comes in 2021, which is three seasons from now, he's probably playing against the Bills at age 45. And we're still talking about does he still got it in four years? Oh, I hate. I don't want to have that conversation in four years, but it's absolutely realistic. He's got to get two more good years in. Doesn't have to be great. He can play like this year. This year was not the normal Tom Brady. He was not the MVP level player that we're accustomed to seeing. But he was very good. Absolutely above average. Absolutely top 10. But he was not in the conversation for best quarterback this season. So if he can fall somewhere in that territory, we are talking about Tom Brady playing against the Bills in four years, in 2022. Josh Allen, on the other hand, what's the worst-case scenario for him? And this is why my vote would go go towards Allen. I think he's less likely to be playing in a Bills-Patriots matchup in 2022. What's the worst-case scenario for him? All right, Last year was good. Some would even say very good. A lot. Because of his rushing and his scrambling ability. If this year looks the same, or even worse, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough pill to swallow. Because if that happens, if this year is the same or worse, which is is possible, if not even realistic, I wouldn't want to predict that happens, but it's absolutely realistic that that happens. Allen looks the same as he did last year, because that does happen a lot with quarterbacks. They'll come in, they'll look good as rookies, but they don't really progress all that much. That happens. James Winston is kind of the, the, the poster child for that for me. That was a guy who had a lot of turnover issues in his first year. I'm not saying Allen has had the same with that, because he actually didn't have a lot of turnover issues. But just Winston looked like a wild, inaccurate, turnover-prone quarterback in his rookie year, and, you know, three years later, kind of the same with Winston. So maybe Allen doesn't progress. Then all of a sudden, next year, the year after this upcoming year, 2020, that becomes a make-it-or-break-it season for Josh Allen. Because if he doesn't progress there, I mean, is what he did last year enough if he keeps going year by year by year 
to say, yeah, I want to give this guy a massive contract extension. This is, this is going to be my quarterback for a decade. That's not enough. Because really what he did last year is not much more than what Tyrod Taylor had done for you. And we liked Tyrod Taylor after year one. And then year two happened, and it looked pretty much the same. And we're like, eh, all right, give him another year. Maybe we have to start thinking about the future, though. Year three happens. It looks about the same. In fact, it looked worse. Maybe in part because his weapons were worse, but it did look worse. And then we were full-blown, we need to move on. Got to change. Even though they made the playoffs, we knew we had to change. So Allen's got to look better. Will he? I think he probably will. But if he doesn't, then 2020 becomes a make-it-or-break-it year. And if it doesn't work by then, he probably only gets a couple games in that season. This is still this is playing a big hypothetical here. But then you're talking like what the EJ Manuel route was. Just extended an extra year. That was a couple games. And then he gets benched. And maybe he comes back after that as the backup. That is a disaster scenario for Josh Allen. Don't think it's going to happen, but it absolutely could. Absolutely could. And if that does happen, then the Bills are talking about having a new quarterback in this this future Patriots-Bills game. Because he could be cut by then, honestly. And really, you got to think to yourself, what's more, what's more likely? A monster physical depletion from Tom Brady. Or Josh Allen looks exactly the same, if not worse, for the next two seasons. And I honestly have to say that Allen is the answer to that. Even though I'm optimistic about that, um, just you got you got to look at what first round quarterbacks have been in the league. Even the ones that are pretty good, there's always questions surrounding their futures. Derek Carr right now in Oakland, Marcus Mariota in Tennessee, Winston in Tampa. First round quarterbacks, you can be pretty good, but you only get so long of a leash. And I wonder now if this kind of this this last decade of the middling first round quarterback Tannehill, Dalton, Flacco, teams are starting to move on from those guys. The Dolphins are about to move on from Tannehill. The Ravens have all but moved on from Flacco. Like we know that that's over. Will other teams start to follow suit there? That if your quarterback is only as good as so, those three guys I just mentioned, you'll be more willing to move on. Does that happen here, if that happens? I want to think it does, because you don't want to get trapped in that Dalton territory. Where, yeah, he's pretty good. He's good enough to make get you to the playoffs. But is he good enough to win you a Super Bowl? And if you can't answer that question with a yes, then you should move on. Don't get trapped in the 7-9, 8-8 territory year after year with the guy who's, yeah, he's pretty good. He's an average quarterback in the league. Don't get trapped in that. But maybe the Bills could get trapped in that. I hope they wouldn't, but that's where you got to think where they are with Allen right now. Or if you're projecting him out. Because he, to me, if he's going to be this team's quarterback for a decade, and if he's going to outlast Tom Brady in New England, which is insane to think about because he's 41. But if Allen is going to outlast Brady and maybe take over the AFC East after he's done, Darnold will factor into that conversation later, too. He really does have to take a big step. 
from what he was last year. And I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens there. The quarterback coach conversation, uh, seeing what ends up happening there. I'm low-key kind of happy that David Culley took that job in Baltimore because now the Bills can really go out and get like a real quarterback coach, not a guy that's been a receiver coach for the majority of his career. I mean, you had to go back to college football in the 80s to find David Culley being a quarterback coach. They kind of get a do-over there. And I'm not saying he was a problem. But I want to be more optimistic. I want to think you can do better than a career receivers coach helping bring up your young franchise quarterback. So they get another opportunity there. Jordan Palmer's name's been mentioned. I I love that idea. Get a quarterback guru in there with Allen. Help him make that next jump. And then maybe... He is taking over the AFCs after this Patriots dynasty is over in, I don't know, 10 years? 15 years? Who knows? I don't know. I got We have these Mike Florios out here talking about Brady's going to retire and then Baker Mayfield's going to force his way out of Cleveland. Like, just please, enough with all that. Let, let them go away for a bit. Don't, don't let New England do what the Colts did. Which is go right from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. N- no. They deserve, after this is all over, they're in their ninth Super Bowl now. I mean, they've been to so many Super Bowls that, like, it doesn't even, does it even matter if they lose to all of us? I mean, I will be rooting against them, as all Bills fans will be, and pretty much America will be, because we're so sick of them. But does it change their legacy at all? He's the best quarterback ever. Belichick's the best coach ever. They've been to nine of these things. It's hard for me to think that that really changes their legacy. You know, thinking back, hindsight's twenty twenty, by the way, but thinking back, they were very close. They were very close to having a different kind of legacy here, the Patriots. Because, think about this. They lost two in a row to the Giants. Then, they beat the Seahawks on the skin of their teeth. Like, they were a yard away. I think you could say the Seahawks beat the Seahawks. They did, sure. All the, if they hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch, can I say probably? They probably score, and the Patriots probably lose. I think you're safe in saying that. Okay. Let's say the Seahawks give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. That's three Super Bowl losses in a row. All right. Next year, or the next one, Atlanta. They're down 28-3. to Get a couple of first downs, why don't you? Kyle Shanahan. How about you run the football? Eat some clock. All right, that didn't seem like too hard a task. I'm going to keep playing the hypothetical here. Atlanta. They don't completely choke. And they put New England away. That's four in a row. That's four losses in a row in the Super Bowl. Last year, you lose to Nick Foles and the Eagles. A great game. Amazing. They lost to a backup quarterback. Probably shouldn't be a backup in the league, but he was a backup quarterback. Five losses in a row. We'll call him a renaissance quarterback. Renaissance quarterback. Love it. That would be five Super Bowl losses in a row. They were so close to five Super Bowl losses in a row. And then what are we sitting here talking about? If they're about to go to their sixth, if you lose six in a row, oh, 
I would love to be having that conversation right now. Because then they're not the best ever. I don't care if they've been to nine. People are talking about them being choke artists at that point. Even though you won your first three. It's hard to undo the the narrative that would surround you if you want if early in your career you had won three Super Bowls, but that would have done it. Five or six Super Bowl losses in a row. Oh, they were so close to that. Stupid Falcons. Stupid Pete Carroll. They'll ruin it for all of us. That would have been so fun. I wish we could had wish we could have had that conversation in a different life. In a parallel universe. They are having that conversation right now. New England going on six Super Bowl losses in a row. I'd love to travel to that universe and talk about it. Anyways, um, so tracking back to what my Twitter poll was, we won't spend too much more time on it, if any at all, because I do want to get a lot into the Sabres. I got a lot to say about them. Uh, Last night's game, not too worried about it. I did think, even though it was kind of a boring game, thought they could very easily could have won it. And we'll talk some rules and stuff, too, with them. But the Twitter poll at SneakyJoeWGR is, who is more likely to not start Bill's Patriots in 2020 when Tom Brady will be 45? Is it Josh Allen or is it Brady? 63% of you think Brady will not be playing that game. 37% say Allen, if you had to choose between the two. We're taking your calls at 803-0550. is the text line. Don't text or call if you're driving, especially with the way the roads are. Uh, I'm assuming that they're still kind of rough. They were by my house earlier. And uh, stay warm. Before we get to a break, let's get one call in quickly. Let's go to Sean. Sean, you're in the nightcap. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, no, I just was going to throw out my conspiracy theory here with the whole Shoot. Uh, possible hiring. Yeah, what you got? As a QB coach thing here. Um, I think, you know, it'd be smart for the Bills to, to if they're going to sign him as a coach, is to wait because then – he can, there's no limitations or restrictions with how much he works this offseason with Josh Allen. There's no limitations with the CBA because he's not a coach. Uh-huh. Until the offseason's over and you sign him and, you know, it, why hinder the offseason workouts with Josh Allen? It's my theory. But I, I like it. I like it. It makes sense, and I could actually see it happening. Like, I could see that being a real thing. Um, yeah, I don't know the rule off the top of my head, but I think you're right that there's a, there's a rule in the CBA you can't work with your quarterback in the offseason. So... Uh, Sean, your theory here, like the longer they would go without hiring a quarterback coach, that would make you think more and more. Maybe they do. Maybe they do that. Maybe they bring in Jordan Palmer in when when when's OTAs? Is that, is that April? Around then, March? I don't even know. I like that theory. Thanks for the call. Eight zero three zero five fifty is the phone number. If you also want to get in on the conversation, we'll talk some hockey in a little bit here, uh, and you can tweet. Or you can uh, yeah vote on my Twitter poll at Sneaky Joe WGR. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell. Two minutes of baseball coming later too, with Kyle. We're bringing it back, and I'm giving him an extra minute. So stay tuned for that here on WGR. I've got one center playing. One. The need to get those guys warm. I've got one center playing. One. <laughs> Just the lo- you can hear it in your voice, the level of frustration with these. I've got guys. one center playing. <laughs> Who's your goaltender tonight? Bob. <laughs> uh, it's John Tortorella. That's funny. <laughs> 
I, I really wanted him when he asked who his starting goalie was. It was just yell, I have one center playing again. Uh, we, have, we have more from Torts. Well, I'll just go back to our last game, Dave. It was mental. It was physical. Anything you want to name, it was that. It was a team that threw their uniforms out to play. I didn't realize how poorly we thought the game, how playing with just absolutely no balls at all in the game, until I really broke down the video. The team needs to be reset here pretty quickly. For us to be who we're supposed to be, we need to reset pretty quickly. It's a shocker that uh, Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin don't want to hang around there anymore. This one's pretty good, too. Guy Dave, who apparently is one of the media reporters that was talking to him, was asking about a game in Florida. John, you guys came out of Florida, came out of that situation, feeling good about where you were. How close are you to getting back to that point, and is it a mental Florida, Florida Dave, I can't even remember Florida. <laughs> you know, part, part of me... Part of me wants him as my head coach just because like he'll have interesting moments with the media. That's entertaining. At the same time, I absolutely do not want him ever to be the Sabres coach because that is just with the media. And if you ever saw like the 24-7 that they did, uh, HBO did, when, uh, when the Rangers were in the Winter Classic and Tortorella was their head coach, Oh, he, I can totally see why he rubs players the wrong way. And it's not hard to see why Panarin and Bobrovsky aren't staying there. I don't think it's just, you know, Columbus isn't like a big market and has never won anything. I think it's partially who your coach is, too. We got more, or is that it? I think he's kind of a boob. Okay. Nice. Oh, my bad. That was the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, we then, got one more. John, the, uh, the news on Boone Jenner, how, how will that impact you know, I don't know why you got the information. I'm not talking about injuries. Talk about the game. No, but how will it impact your lineup tonight? You, you know how it will impact it. He's, a, he's an important guy. I'm not sure what the what the lineup's going to be. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to think about him. I, I do know what to think about him, but like, I love hearing that. But at the same time, he's a, he's a jerk. He's just being a jerk. So... I'll go on YouTube. I'll watch top 10 John Tortorella moments with the media. It's funny. But at the same time, like he is, he's being a jerk there. Yeah, he's a very outstanding personality. And I could see how, you know, watching Bobrovsky in his younger years playing Philadelphia before he moved on to Columbus. Yeah. He's a quiet guy. So is Panarin. That's going to rub them the wrong way. They're not sure. outspoken players on the ice anyway. So when they're sitting in that locker room and hearing this, it's probably not the best for the, them, the environment. What's interesting is we haven't really heard. Like, that whole situation there is really interesting right now with Columbus because they've got their two best players are going to be UFAs. And they've dropped a little. Like like I said, they're the second wild card spot now. Buffalo is three points behind them. That's why it was big that you beat the Sabres beat CBJ on Tuesday. If they start to fall out of the picture, if they keep losing, they've lost three in a row, and maybe the Sabres, with a homestand coming up, kind of get things back into gear here, Like, what do the Blue Jackets do with the deadline if they're not sitting in a playoff spot? That's got to change things, I think. Because I could see them going either way right now. Most of the season, they've been in the two or three spot in the Metro. That's where I thought things could go either way. If they're not sitting in a playoff spot, you got, I think you got to trade him. And what's interesting is we haven't really heard anything that links their frustration, or not even frustration, but their wanting to leave or not talk extension right now is linked to the coach. Which you would think is an easy 
Those are easy dots to connect. I mean, that's not a guy in John Tortorella that you would ever consider like a player's coach. No, but it's also something that I don't think you make public while you're still on the team. It's something that if they are to be dealt at the deadline and Columbus keeps, keeps free calling, it'll come out afterward. Yeah. But while they're in that locker room without knowing what their future is going to bring, it's already awkward as is. Right. The last thing you want to do is say, well, I'm not playing for you. I I haven't liked it here, X, Y, Z, for however long I've been here, and it's because of you. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, so a couple score updates. By the way, Blue Jackets, while we're on the topic, three points out of Buffalo. They have a game in hand. They play that game in hand tonight. They play at Winnipeg, which is a tough matchup. I think Winnipeg is the most points in the West. Second most. Uh, Calgary is more. Uh, but Winnipeg's first place in the Central. So that's going to be a tough matchup for the Blue Jackets. Go Jets in that one. That starts at 8, which is about 15 minutes away. Another game that has uh, playoff implications on the Sabres tonight. The Bruins, who currently sit four points ahead of the Sabres with the same amount of games played. They are now tied with the Flyers at the end of one. So, go Flyers. All right. <laughs> All right. I thought you, you've got that drop if you ever want it. You have a go Flyers drop for me. Um, I, I, I never hated the Flyers. Like, the Bull, Bulldog mentions this a lot, which is, this is understandable. He hates the Flyers. Different period, different time right. era. You know. But, like, I get that. Broad Street Bullies, they beat you in the Cup Finals in 75, the Sabres. Um, seems like they are a pretty hateable team. Through most of their history. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. The Legion of Doom, all that. Lindros, never likable. Hextall chopping people down in front of his crease. Uh, yeah. But, like, the Flyers that I, even though they've played a series, like the last playoff series we played against them was was Philly. That was the last playoff series Sabres played. I, I never, never got there with them. Never got there with them. Even though they beat us. Like, I hate the Bruins. I hate the Hurricanes. Because I will never get over 2006. I hate Ottawa. That's kind of dwindled now that they're kind of a laughing stock. Like they are the joke of the NHL. But like I'm glad that they're the joke of the NHL because I hated them for three years. Like, oh, they were the worst. And Boston I'll always hate. Just they're Boston for one. And then they were, you know, Lucic and Marshawn or whatever. And I never got there with the Flyers. I like their jerseys. I like the orange. I like how they're bright. I've always liked Giroux as a player. I hated the Penguins. You will not like their stadium series jerseys. Ugh, they have been them. leaked. I saw them. It looks like a highlighter that I used to bring to school Just, in like, fifth grade. I usually like not proud the neon that. jerseys, but like they went too far. Very, very far. Um, love like I love the way their team is kind of like I don't love the way their team's built, but I like a lot of their players. Giroux, got Gostaspier is a cool story. Always liked Voracek, one of my favorite players on other another team. I think maybe the reason I kind of like them, though, is because I never liked Crosby growing up. And in turn, I never really liked the Penguins. And the Flyers were always beating the Penguins. And they were always, like, hating on each other. And there were brawls. So that that probably is why it, made, it was hard for me to, to hate them. We've had that conversation. Like, most hated teams. And a lot yeah. of and me having, like, Hurricanes and Senators, like, high on the list. It's probably strange to... You know, someone not people older than me, or that people that yeah. grew up watching them, like Brad Park in the '80s, like that, like that's the Bruins that you hate, or the the like I said, the Broad Street Bullies, like those teams, that's who you hate. Montreal, like I've never had a never had a bad feeling about Montreal. In turn, it seems like that generation above me 
doesn't really mind Toronto. Whereas I hate Toronto because of their fans. Like always taking up the building, yep, and the being a young person. Yeah. Like you can get you get into that pretty quick and pretty easily. All right. Didn't talk much Sabres there. We did talk kind of their place in the playoff picture. We'll talk more about that. Uh, also on last night's game, I want to get to the second line. I think we finally got a real second line. Two game it's only two games, but this might be the first time all season it looks like the Sabres have a real legitimate second line. So we'll talk about that. Um, the Eichel hit last night. Not I shouldn't call it the Eichel hit. I should call it the Jamie Ben hit on Eichel. That, and then also goaltender interference. Uh, there's a lot there. The the play last night, the Sabres score, and it's taken away from them. Um, Nathan Bull, you going to the net. We'll talk some about that as well, as well as other stuff. And you can tweet on my uh, my football-related poll at SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell, who will do a couple minutes of baseball talk in a little bit here on WGR. It's even. I mean, it's 1-1. I mean, they let us play for sure tonight. And, uh, you know, if they're going to, that's fine with me. I mean, um, it's a physical game. And, and uh, you know, the refs are a part of the play. they got to make split-second decisions on, you know, what they think is or isn't a penalty. And I thought they did a fine job. I mean, we had one power play. They had one power play. Other than that, I think they let us play. And, you know, I probably didn't put myself in the best situation there in the, in the boards. I probably should have turned up. And, you know, he's a physical player. He finished his check on me. And, you know, I'm right, though. Oh, come on, Jack. Call him out. It was a dirty hit. I think Paul put it best this afternoon. I want him suspended. Huh? I said, I think Paul put it best when he joined Chopin the Bulldogs this afternoon. It was a very diplomatic answer from Jack. Too diplomatic. I was I was running through the audio that was taken from last night's game, and nobody that got interviewed about it last night in postgame reactions really talked about the hit. Hmm. I thought it would be a pressing topic. Right. We'll talk more about that hit as we uh, go forward here. We only got a couple minutes here, so perfect timing, I think, for... Two minutes of baseball talk with Kyle here. Yes. I know it's a couple birthdays in baseball today. That's right. You remember Jackie Jackie Robinson Robinson. hit the century mark 100. Obviously breaking the baseball color barrier with the Dodgers in 1947. But I want to focus on the other birthday. I I mentioned a stat earlier because it's just so mind-boggling. Nolan Ryan turned 72. 27-year career. 72. 72. You know, if if you would have had me guess his age, I would have said somewhere in the 50s. But I'm also not a... Baseball fans, I would have been way off. 72. Dude played forever. He did. He did. 27 years, 1966 to 1993, with a year in the minors spent in 1967. Part of the amazing 1969 Mets World Series victory over the Orioles. Famously traded to the California Angels for shortstop Jim Fergosi. And the rest is history. But the stat I wanted to share with everybody here, which really boggled my mind earlier today, was Nolan Ryan... Holds the career strikeouts record by a pitcher by nearly 900 strikeouts. 5,714 batters he struck out in his career. Next closest is Randy Johnson with 4,875. The big unit. Yes, the guy who killed a bird. The guy who killed a bird in spring spring training, yes. Yes, that's definitely what his career is remembered for most. (laughs) Not the perfect game at age 40. (laughs) But Nolan Ryan, no. I kind of honed in on his career, and I've always known he was – Way ahead of his times. You know, people talk about the strikeout rates for batters now in 2018 and now into 2019. But Nolan Ryan from 1972 to 1974, 1,079 strikeouts he recorded in a three year span. And he had what, 5,000 for his career? 5,000 for his career. Nearly 20% of his career strikeouts came from 1972 to 1974 with the Angels in order. 
329. In 1972, a Major League record 383 in 1973, and 367 in 1974. And, and what, he played 45 years more after that? 45 years more, that's right. Never want to saw young. You know, you know some. I, I know two things about Nolan Ryan. One, okay. like, similar to Randy Johnson, you're not being a baseball fan. I know Randy Johnson is the guy who killed the bird. I know Nolan Ryan is the guy who put a guy in a headlock and started punching him on the top of the head. Yes, sir. Robin Ventura. The other thing about Nolan Ryan is because I'm a big fan of a certain radio show on ESPN, I heard them about a month ago arguing whether Nolan Ryan is the ultimate compiler. So, Kyle, I'm going to ask you here, because you know baseball more than anyone I know, I think. Is Nolan Ryan a compiler? A compiler? A compiler. Just saying, screw it, I'm going to pitch another year because I want X amount of sure, more strikeouts? Sure. No, man. He like, was is he... hardcore. He was country okay. strong. Uh, if you ever... I know you're not is, a baseball Who fan. was the ultimate baseball compiler then? Who stuck around like so long? And then Jamie he, like, Moore. You look at their numbers, it's just like that. It's only because they were around for so long. I would say Jamie Moore. Pitch or lose 50. I do know, I've heard that name. I know who that is. 50 years old, soft-throwing yeah. lefty. Okay. Ended up with yeah, right, around lefty. 250 wins. But he joined the Phillies in around 2006, and he was already into his 40s. Pitched about three or four more years with Philadelphia and ended up taking one-year deals. Eventually ended up in Colorado, which right. is... So Jamie Moyer is the ultimate compiler. I think so. And that's okay. the age-old saying in baseball is if you have a left hand, you can throw... Till the cows come home, he threw till the cows came home. <laughs> Pitching in Colorado, it's already hard enough to pitch there with the altitude. He took a one-year deal there and then called it quits. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at his career right now. How do you pitch? From 1986 to, until 2012. What is that, 26 years? Yeah. How do you pitch for 26 years and only make one All-Star game? The ultimate compiler. Like, I can't call Nolan Ryan a, a, like as much a compiler, I guess, there. Because I got him here at like 10 also. I can't even count them all. There's a lot. Um, all right. So Nolan Ryan's not the ultimate compiler. That title should belong to Jamie Moyer. In my lifetime. There's probably others way back that I would have to do some more research for. Okay. But player I watched growing up, I think i go with Jamie Moyer. Maybe we'll revisit this topic with some other sports at some point. Okay. The ultimate compilers in sports. I, I already got a couple names I'm thinking of in hockey. But I do want to talk some Sabres when we come back. Thank you, by the way, for indulging me in some baseball talk. Um... Sabres stars last night ended one to nothing. We'll uh, continue to update you on the scores that are affecting them tonight and a couple things happening last night. That second line, I want to talk about that. I think we might actually have a real second line for the first time all year. That Eichel hit, the Ben hit on Eichel, and also goaltender interference. I really do think that goal should have counted last night, but I didn't expect it to. So we'll dive into that as well. So then I cap with Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell another hour next year in WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.